We are in the mood for fantasy football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, BJ Rudell, PFN's fantasy football director. And with me, as always, is PFN fantasy analyst Tommy Garrett. And joining us again today, PFN fantasy analyst Jason Katz, better known as Katz. Uh, we're talking week 13, Sunday starts and sits. This is intense, folks. Uh, we are almost at the finish line of the regular season, and uh, there's a lot at stake. I think for all of us here in this podcast, the three of us, and probably for many of you or most of you or all of you, we're starting right now with the Falcons and Buccaneers. Uh, Tommy, uh, got to ask you if, if there were a crowd right now around you and they all had Kyle Pitts and if Katz, who has Kyle Pitts and is starting him this week, if he's one of those people and you've got to show some empathy, but also some, some real hard talk and tell them what to expect, what do you tell them about Kyle Pitts this week? The hard part of Kyle Pitts is, granted, it's ever since Calvin Ridley went like left the team, um, and since week eight, Kyle Pitts has been their entire offense, and there's no questioning about what he means to this offense. Since this time, he's represented 34.8% of the air yards, but also has an A dot of 11.03, which we were kind of talking about this before the cameras started rolling. I wonder if this is part of been the reason Kyle Pitts has dropped off. Like since week seven, he's only been a tight end one and only one single week so far this season. So I think it's the the difference in the type of targets he is seeing are starting to bring in a little bit more volatility because the further you go downfield, the lower your chance of completion is. Now, granted, it does not take a lot to become a, a tight end one in the NFL right now in fantasy football. So Kyle Pitts is still going to have that mid tight end one floor just based off his volume alone he's always going to see you know eight plus targets in a game but he's not a locked in you know he could finish as a top three kind of player granted there's a chance he could do it just strictly based off volume but it's not necessarily as locked in as we would like it to be with someone like a darren waller when he is actually healthy and playing which is a whole other topic um, a mark andrews travis kelsey you know guys who are seeing a consistent target base but also they're recording more receptions than they are you know watching balls kind of hit the ground so we would love to see Pitts be a little more consistent but based on his role in this offense we're kind of stuck with what we get but you still have to start him regardless every single week right now but it's so helpful for all of you all of you listening there's there's often reasons why things are happening on the field and we don't always know what those reasons are but when you see a a clear demarcation point from when Calvin Ridley was playing and Calvin Ridley stepped away from football Yep. It's really important to understand that the idea of Pitts going back to what he was week six, uh, you know, 100 something yards and a touchdown, is, it seems further and further away with their current makeup. Uh, uh, Cats, the Bucks, I love Ronald Jones as an under the radar streamer this week. Am I crazy? Um, maybe a little. Uh, based on projected game script, I can see it. If the Bucks roll and bench their starters in the fourth quarter, then maybe Ronald Jones gets a quarter to himself and plays well. Here's the issue, though. The last time we saw Blaine Gabbert and the backups out there, it was actually Keyshawn Vaughn as Ronald Jones rested with the starters. Uh, so Ronald Jones is kind of like a random tight end, too. Yes, I said tight end because he's going to get you those five to seven carries, 15 to 30 yards, and you hope he scores a touchdown. He has the past two weeks, but this kind of feels a lot like ch- like touchdown chasing. He hasn't played over 19% of the snaps since week two, which was the only time he did it all season. I don't know how you can start a running back that's only playing like 10 to 15 snaps the entire game. So I, I just can't recommend Ronald Jones. Well, on the note of running backs, let's shift to the Bears Cardinals. Do you trust David Montgomery, a proven bell cow? Right, Cats? Is he a must-start this week, or is there any reason why you would sit him? BJ, you bring up a great point with David Montgomery as a bell cow. He's had an uh, 
over an 85% snap share since returning from the IR and has been even more volume than he saw before he got hurt. The problem is the production hasn't really been there, but 16.6 opportunities per game over his last three. Cardinals are 18th at fantasy points allowed to running backs. Do you have better options? I don't think so. Given the state of the running back position, I don't know how you can sit any running back getting that sort of volume. Yeah, I've been troubled by his lack of receptions. He's just not catching the ball as much as he did last year. And I feel like with Montgomery, you got to feed him in the passing game. And I'm I'm really having trouble. If I had Montgomery right now, of course I'd start him, but I wouldn't feel as good about it. And that's, that's the problem for a lot of people right now. Going to you, Tommy, with the Cardinals. Um, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins were recording this right now at a time when they are both questionable game time decisions, uh, as I believe they've been now for several weeks. Um, what would you uh, tell uh, fantasy managers who are waiting to start Kyle Murray, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, we've been down this road already. What is this now the fourth time we've been dealing with them being a game time decision? Um, right now, between the two of them, if one of them is healthy, I would prefer it to be Kyler Murray. I feel like I'm actually somewhat trust Kyler Murray just based off the game trip. Like, granted, he has not been we're, – we're concerned about his mobility. But his mobility has been down a little bit this season, and yet he was still finding ways to be productive. He's been ultra-efficient, and all but two of his games, he's had multiple touchdowns. So I feel like I can trust Kyler Murray a little bit more. Um, maybe it's like a lower NQB1, a lower expectations a little bit, but I feel like he would still be startable. Granted, you obviously want to have a backup plan, as I said. We've been down this road. Granted, the nice thing this week is they do have a 1 p.m. game, so we have the entire slate open to us, and we'll know at 11.30 in the morning, you know, East Coast time, uh, when it actually are published, what the status is. When it comes to DeAndre Hopkins, man, I'm, I kind of don't want to have anything to do with him. He might be active, but it's that whole thing, okay, active, is he actually playing? What's the status going to be through the entire game? We right. don't really know. Um, I would almost prefer they just rest him, just sit him at this point. You've already been dealing with other options. You probably have someone you've been using in his stead during these past couple weeks. Anyway, I would probably just move it on with that as my main option and hope that Kyler Murray plays and I could start him as a, you know, mid, mid to low in QB1. I traded Kyler Murray right before the trade deadline, seven minutes before uh, this week, just because I, I got tired. I got tired of waiting. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, it affects your whole team. It affects if you have fab. I only have like $6 of fab left. And I can't just keep spending a dollar on a quarterback because um, uh, I'll be out, you know, by the playoffs. So anyway, mm -hmm. enough about me. Uh, Bengals receivers, Bengals chargers, Tommy. Who's your favorite? We, we saw T. Higgins finally get going last week. Do you have a favorite? Do you think there's one to bet on? Or is this just a case where it's the opposite of whack-a-mole? It's, it's lift-a-mole. It's, it's one of them's going to elevate. Yeah. If I'm going to take my choice on one of them, I'm going to go with uh, Jamar Chase because he has the highest upside. But granted, these past couple weeks, he's been down. If we go back since weeks since week eight, wide receiver 26, 31, 28, and then 54, which has been a massive drop off from the guy we were seeing, you know, haul in at least a single, like every single week he was getting, you know, a 70 yard deep touchdown pass from Joe Burrow. Um, T Higgins is always, I think, going to close that gap in a little bit and bring him more close to a one, a one B roll in this offense. It was just, how did the, how did the targets and the redistribution happen once they added Jamar chase, who obviously has a one heck of a rapport with Joe Burrow. Um, I think you can start both of them. Like, I think they're both going to be starting options this week. I'm still out right now on Tyler Boyd, um, who just proves mm -hmm. to be just too inconsistent. The targets mm -hmm. are there. 
but you just don't love like what's going on in this offense. And obviously, it's also not a great matchup. The Chargers are one heck of a pass defense. Like they are a run funnel. Most teams try to get away from throwing the ball against them. So you're kind of hoping for those, those big play opportunities. T. Higgins and Jamar Chase can bring that for you. And I'm staying away from Tyler Boyd this week. Very good. And speaking of the Chargers, um, I mentioned the trade. The trade, uh, the, uh, the Kyler Murray trade was a four for four. I got Justin Herbert and Mike Williams back, uh, which was great. I won't tell you all what I gave away for it, included Alexander Madison that I'm not happy about, but it, I needed to do the trade. I got Nick Chubb too. It's a long story. I don't want to get into it, but of course I will throughout the podcast because I think it's fun. Cats, uh, would you bet on Mike Williams as a top 30 receiver? If you had a dollar on the line and it was your last dollar, would you bet it on Mike Williams being top 30 this week? I would feel very confident betting against Mike Williams being a top 36 oh. receiver this week. Oh. Okay. I've had Big Mike as a sit for three straight weeks now. And just every week I see him ranked all across various services inside the top 36. And I just mm-hmm. don't understand why. He scored fewer than eight fantasy points in five of his last six games. His highest finish outside of that Steelers game where he caught that one long touchdown late in the fourth quarter was wide receiver 45. There is no difference between someone like Mike Williams and someone like Deshaun Jackson. They are both equally likely to randomly splash any given week. And Big Mike will definitely splash again. It's going to happen. But so will dozens of other random wide receivers we'd never consider starting because we don't know when it'll happen. Mike Williams and fantasy starter don't even belong in the same sentence. Love your confidence. I wish you would tell me how you really felt. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm just so, I'm so fed up with Mike Williams. And just this notion that he's some sort of volatile wide receiver too, when he finishes the wide receiver four or worse every single week. So I, I, I will uh, say I think there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment uh, when Mike Williams came on strong. That's when I traded for Keenan Allen um, because I felt there was going to be some balancing that took place as defenses adjusted, and I think defenses will just again adjust again. And I think the Chargers are looking ahead and realizing they have to keep Mike Williams involved. This can't be an Eckler, Keenan Allen show the whole way. Um, It's been proven. This team can't go far unless they have a third high-powered weapon on offense. And I think they need to start getting Mike Williams going. Now the question he's going is to, he's going to. It will happen again, but but when? I mean, we're just we're just right. throwing darts at a wall and hoping that maybe this is the week. I guess if you well, start him every week, great. yeah, he's you'll a, get there eventually. Gold plated dart. He's he's a good. Um, but anyway, maybe I'm just trying to justify the trade I made right before the deadline. Uh, Cats, Lions, Vikings. DeAndre Swift is out. Uh, what is the realistic expectation for Jamal Williams on Sunday? If, if I'm starting him, and I'm not because I don't have him, unfortunately, but if I'm starting him. What do you think is a yardage total that's, you know, realistic or a fantasy point total that you think is an over under of what he can achieve? We're just going to get the typical inefficient volume we've gotten from him throughout most of his career. He had 15 carries last week, five targets, caught all five of them, totaled 83 yards. Probably about that. He'll get 12 to 15 carries, you know, three to five receptions, 50 to 80 yards. Maybe he scores. Uh, He's a floor play against the defense, allowing the 11th most fantasy points to running backs. So you just described roughly 12 points uh, and maybe 18 if he scores. Do I have that right? Is that a, that sounds pretty good. That sounds like I, I'd be excited to start. Well, I mean, 12 points. I don't know if that's necessarily the floor. Let, let's, let's see if he catches four balls, that's four points. 50 yards is nine total. That's all. That's nine points. So that, that's about his floor is nine. His ceiling is about 18. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I was so told there was going to be no math. <laughs> <laughs> right, I wasn't prepared either, but I, I, I do things on the fly sometimes. 
So Ty, I, I love it, Cats. Tommy, uh, uh, to the Vikings, the Lions opponent. Uh, if you remember, Tommy, I made that trade like seven minutes before the trade deadline for Justin Herbert and Mike Williams. So and yep. I mentioned one of the guys I gave up, Alexander Madison. Uh, did I make a huge mistake giving up Madison in a much win, a must win week, even if I'm getting Herbert back and, and some other guys? But basically, is Madison just that crown jewel of week 13 that I should have held on to? You're regretting it based on what happened to Dalvin Cook at the time with Dalvin Cook, you know, seeing all the workload. I mean, Alexander Madison was more of a, a what if. Well, right now, what if has actually happened in the two games Madison has started in place of Cook this season, which was week three and week five. He rushed 51 times for 225 yards, added three receptions for 99 yards with a score. He finishes the RB7 with 23.1 points and the RB6 with 26.3, respectively. And it just so happens one of those teams he did that against was his opponent this week in the Detroit Lions, who are allowing the 28th most fantasy points to running backs at 26.8 per game. Madison's is a smash play. He's got top six upside. Sorry yeah, to say it, but this week especially, no. you're probably going to regret it. Any week where Dalvin Cook is out, Alexander Madison is a must play in fantasy. I, I hear you, and I do have some research that I'll share uh, later, but I'll share it to these uh, podcast listeners right now. Uh, and it's just very preliminary research, but it shows that 20-plus touch running backs on a Sunday when they then play on Thursday regress sharply. Um, it's, it's, and it's remarkable. Uh, and uh, one of the reasons I felt comfortable trading Madison was knowing if he started both of those games, I didn't think I was going to get as much out of him in Week 14. But we'll save that for another time. Tommy, Dolphins. The thing is, too, this is not a normal Thursday game for the Detroit Lions. Detroit played on – they played on Thursday last week. So, for them, they've had an extended time frame to get ready for this game. Oh, I meant the Vikings are playing week 14 on Thursday. So, they've got a short turnaround. So, Madison gets this, like, heavy workload and, you know, uh, two of them in in a a four-and-a-half-day span. And I think that that could – that could weigh into people's, but I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm just, again, I'm constantly trying to justify the trades I make. Uh, Mike Gesicki for the Dolphins and Giants, Tommy. Mike Gesicki, we talk about him, I think, every week. Do you scour waivers at this point, or do you stand pat with him? Gesicki is interesting because we know the upside that he can bring, but what are we getting here recently? I mean, since week eight, tight end 16, 15, 50, 16, and 27. I didn't know 50 They get to buy next week. Huh? I didn't know 50 was possible. I, apparently, there are 50 tight ends to play in the NFL because for me, all I see is like, you know, 12 to 14 names pop up every single week. <laughs> I think he scored zero um, that week. I think that's why he was 50. It okay. might have been, but I mean, it's been rough right now for Mike Kazeki. And yeah. it's the volume when Tua wants to move the ball, he goes to Jalen Waddle, not Mike yeah. Kazeki anymore. Yeah. And if they need to move the ball on the ground, you still got Miles Gaskin and this whole backfield that kind of just do rotation in and out. But I mean, Mike Zeki, I don't think he's a must start anymore. Um, yeah. If it was yeah. me, I mean, someone like Pat Fryermuth, I think actually might have more weekly upside than Mike Zeki right now. Oh, we talk about trying to find those touchdowns. Um, to me, Pat Fryermuth, I mean, I think it's since week four, if I remember correctly, he's the tight end two in fantasy. Amazing. Um, I mean, right now, I don't see much upside to Mike Zeki over top of him. Uh, so for me, I think it's an easy one that I would much rather play someone like, you know, a Pat Fryermuth over top of him. And I think one of our first podcasts together, Tommy, in early October, I think Fryermuth, uh was uh, we talked about him. So uh, yeah, it, uh, since week since week eight, he is the tight end one. Like granted, like Travis Kelsey is averaging more impor- points per game at fifteen point three, and so is Mark Andrews at fourteen point nine. 
but, but it's still. hard to argue with the upside he brings. Yeah. And the fact he's sitting, still sitting out there on over 40% of roster, on 40% of uh, league's waiver wires, to me, he just seems like an absolute kind of easy no-brainer play over top of someone like Mike Kozecki. Incredible. I dropped Mike Kosecki in a league after week one when he had that zero. Was feeling bad about it for a little bit, but then I ended up with Pat Fryermuth, who has scored uh, a touchdown yeah. in four of his last five games. Yeah, yep. That's I mean, low. the downside with like when you make a move, like especially in week one, we have no idea what the season's going to be. So I kind of use like the first three weeks to try to get an idea of okay, what is actually happening. I don't want to overreact too quickly. It was definitely reactionary, and I I definitely yeah. should not have done that, regardless when it of comes how to it ended up playing someone, out. Then yeah, but picking someone up and hoping that they turn into something—that's absolutely the move to make with someone oh, like yeah. Pat Fryermuth. Like it and worked that, out in this case. It's just a yeah. risky game we play in case of someone like you know, hey, you dropped you know Elijah Mitchell. Because all of a sudden someone started blowing up in week one. You're trying to get that right person. All of a sudden you end up missing out on someone. So it's that dangerous game we have to play as fantasy managers. But in this case, it absolutely worked out. Speaking of dangerous games, because uh, uh, I love bad segues, uh, the Giants, Cats. Could Devontae Booker outperform Saquon Barkley against the Dolphins? Is it possible in the same way that Ty Montgomery outscored Mark Ingram on Thursday? Absolutely not. It's not even remotely in the plausible range of outcomes. The only way it happens is if Barkley gets hurt in the middle of the game. That's the only chance it happens. Booker played just 17% of the snaps last week. It doesn't matter how ineffective Barkley is. The Giants drafted him second overall, and they are going to make sure they get their money's worth. Booker has touched the ball four times in each of his past two games. Barkley had 18 opportunities last week. In the previous episode, I talked about preferring Booker to Barkley if Barkley was out. I'd rather have Booker without Barkley than Barkley right now, but they're both healthy, which means it's the Saquon yeah. Barkley show. Uh, so with, with, with Barkley out there, Booker has no value. Well, it's a very mature response. Thank you, Katz, uh, for putting that perspective on it. How about the Jets and the Eagles? Would you start Elijah Moore over, I don't know, uh, Mike Williams? Uh, I mean... <laughs> You're making me talk about Mike Williams, and you, you asked a really, really good question here. Because earlier I mentioned how Mike Williams has finished as the wide receiver 45 or worse in five of his last six games. Yes. Elijah Moore, wide receiver 40 or better in six straight starts. In that span, Moore has two top three finishes and three wide receiver three finishes. The concern, of course, is those two finishes that were lower than wide receiver 25 were both of his games with Zach Wilson. Yeah. But even so, Moore has displayed a higher floor with Wilson than Big Mike. And we know his ceiling is just as high. So I'd start Elijah Moore. Okay, great. Eagles, Tommy. Miles Sanders, Boston Scott. Boston Scott, as of this recording, is questionable with a non-COVID-related illness. Yep. Miles Sanders looks good to go. If you are a manager, and uh, which you are, and if you have both of these guys and you're pretty thin at running back, do you start both and feel pretty good about it? Or do you choose Sanders and just roll with it? I think ideally I would choose Sanders over top of the two of them because you're always wondering how the condition is going to be for a player who kind of sits out like, granted, it's a week away from the game. It's not going to cost you like a bunch of time. You're not, you don't have to spend a bunch of time trying to get back and ready. But an illness is always going to play a factor like, I'm sorry, you're not Michael Jordan. This isn't the flu game. Uh, so I'm not <laughs> expecting Boston Scott all of a sudden to come out there and do something crazy. But it's a great matchup. The New York Jets are relying more fancy points for running backs than any other team uh, in the NFL. And Miles Sanders has actually managed to put together a couple decent games in a row since he came back off the IR. Granted, he did kind of seem to tweak his ankle uh, in the previous game, so we'll have to see if that makes sure that's going to be healthy. But with him being a full participant, everything seems to be good to go. I actually kind of like Miles Sanders as like, you know, a low-end RB2. I can see just based on the matchup, if Boston Scott, you know, assuming that he does play, I can see him as an RB3. Um 
I think he could be a flex play. I don't know if I'd push him just inside the top 28, given the way things need to shake out, but I think both players could end up having a fairly decent day in a great situation. Fantastic. How about the Texans, Tommy? Texans Colts. Is Tyrod Taylor a streamer at this point of the season? I can't do it. Uh, I think there's some better options at quarterback. Um, it's not a great matchup. The Colts are playing some phenomenal football as of late. They're one of the hottest teams in the NFL, even if their record doesn't necessarily you know, depict that sitting at 6-6. Six and six. Um, The Texans, like you have Brandon Cooks, and that's about it. Uh, you're hoping for a little bit of upside from the on the ground from Tyrod Taylor. Personally, it's something I would try to stay away from. I think you can probably find some better options if you're streaming the position right now. Very good. And how about the Colts? Uh, Cats, T.Y. Hilton was the 28th best fantasy wideout last week. Is that a sign of things to come? Or am I judging by your serious look that uh, that's the ceiling and we should pass? Well, here's a barometer of where I'm at with T.Y. Hilton. I'm actually starting him over Cortland Sutton in a league. Although that may speak more about Sutton than it does about T.Y. Yes. Uh, Hilton historically owns the Houston Texans. But he has just two games over 10 fantasy points the entire season. And last week, he only got to wide 28 because he scored a touchdown. His season high in targets in a single game is five. He's not an every down player. 61% snap share is his highest of the season. He did that last week. He did go four for 80 against the Texans in week six. If he does something like that again and he scores, he'll be a great start. But he's just a touchdown dependent wide receiver four at this point, And I wouldn't start him over Mike Williams. And that, okay, that game where he went four for 80, that was his first game back of the season. Because right. yeah. he's had, like, historically, like the reason he got his nickname the Ghost was because he would literally scare fear in the Houston Texans. Like, yeah. he got that from the games he had against this team. Like, if there's ever a team where he's going to have a good game against, it's historically been Houston. Like, three of his top five games of his career have came against the same team. Um, I don't know what he has against Houston, but uh, good luck to those starting him. And uh, let's go to the late games, Raiders, Washington, uh, Raiders, Cats. So let's say three football players walk onto the field, Mike Williams, Elijah Moore, and a healthy Deshaun Jackson. But I like callbacks. Uh, who do you start? Is Deshaun Jackson, I mean, he's, he's supposed to play at this point on Friday afternoon. He was a little bit questionable, but it looks like at this point he's good to go. Would you trust him over the other two, or is it still Elijah Moore the whole way? And basically, I want to get your take on Deshaun Jackson as a fantasy asset. Uh, lots of Mike Williams talk today. Uh, I already said that I like Elijah Moore over Mike Williams, and I compared Big Mike to Deshaun Jackson. So these are the perfect three players to discuss. <laughs> um, so I guess by the laws of the transitive property, I have to like Moore over DJX. With Deshaun, we know the drill. He will get one or two downfield shots, and right. you're hoping he catches one and scores. He's a home run swing. If you need upside, he's better than a random wide receiver floor guy that's going to get you six points. But if you need six points, Deshaun is not your guy. Yes, very good. I'm I mean, just trying of- to sit here and figure out how you weaseled in transitive property into a podcast. <laughs> Great. I, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of knowledge being thrown about. Um, that hamster wheel was turning on overtime right now for you, Cats. Wow. wow, that was that was That's, impressive. Uh, <laughs> right now, there are balloons falling in the podcast studio because uh, we were trying to figure out how to get the phrase "hamster wheel" into this episode, and Tommy did it. So, uh, uh, kudos to Tommy. He'll get a, a five dollar gift card to uh, uh, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, Tommy Washington, Terry McLaurin. He's been a WR four or worse in six of eleven games. I, I research, folks. I do. I research for this podcast. And I, I find these stats, and I know you do too. You do uh, as much or more than I do. And I am struck by these players that we just assume mm-hmm. are, oh, well, we got to start this guy. 
but not always. And I was really struck, even though I watch these games and I follow the games closely, I did not realize Terry McLaurin has been unstartable more than half the time this season. What do you say to that? Is he is he trustworthy? I mean, at this point, you're sitting here saying, like, no, he's not trustworthy anymore. But who else does Washington have? I mean, granted, they're starting to get back Curtis Samuel. You have Logan Thomas. But it's the volume is what we love about Terry McLaurin. Like, outside of week one, when he only had four targets, he's seen seven or more in every single game. So it's it's the volume you love to see. And it's also, you know, we know how talented he can be. Like, granted, yes, he only saw, what was it, like five fancy clubs. No, I'm sorry. He saw it, uh, uh, nine fancy points last week. But if you go back through his games – He's had seven or more receptions in nearly majority of his games so far this season. He's seen five or more, so it's it's hard to sit someone who's going to see the volume that he sees. We know how talented he can be in any single play. He can take that to the house. It's just no longer is he a locked-in, you know, back-end wide receiver one that we like him to be. If you're going to have these weeks where he's going to be that wide receiver three just based off this offense, for as good as Taylor Heineke can't play, sometimes he just absolutely disappears and that's going to always hurt your number one option, Terry McLaurin. But I have a hard time finding another option who I think has a higher upside on my team than Terry McLaurin any, any single week, especially one like this where we could see some points being scored in this game against Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, yep, very good point. Uh, let's uh, shift to the Rams-Jaguars. Uh, Sonny Michelle, we've talked about him a lot, Tommy, on the podcast. If Daryl Henderson, who uh, currently is questionable, uh, yeah. If he sits, I think we know what to do. Uh, I don't think it takes a uh, a uh, fantasy uh, brainiac to know the answer. But if Daryl Henderson plays, if he starts, is Sonny Michelle against the Jaguars one of those sneaky options, kind of like Ronald Jones or Keyshawn Vaughn might be for Tampa Bay? If, if Michelle's, if Daryl Henderson starts to begin with, I mean, you're going. I think we're probably going to play him as like a flex play. Um, I think he's got a little more upside than that, but you're always worried about a guy who is constantly missing practices and what that what's that going to do to his game strip. Now, granted, Jacksonville has been known to go some points. They're 21st against the running back, allowing 14.35 per game. A majority of that coming on the ground. They've allowed almost 1,000 yards rushing, uh, which surprisingly is in like the top half of the NFL. They've actually been somewhat decent um, in terms of on-the-ground use, but where Terrell, where Darrell Henderson can make that up is he can be better in the pass game than someone like Sonny Michelle, who has no upside in the pass game. He never showed it when he was with New England. Right. He hasn't really shown it, shown it yet with the Rams, so he's always going to see the more inefficient touches from a fantasy aspect. Uh, so I think we would prefer to have Darrell Henderson playing and starting this game, but if we end up with Sonny Michelle, he could be a you know a running back three kind of option right now for the Rams. But the whole question is always going to be how does the snapshot, how does the snap count shake out for this offense? Yeah, it's a very good point about receptions. A lot of people doing PPR, not everyone, but a lot of people. Yep. And when you're doing PPR, you know, when you've got it, we saw what happened with Antonio Gibson last week with seven catches. It just changes the whole complexion of what your fantasy team can do if your running back is getting tons of catches or Leonard Fournette. But if they're getting one or zero, uh, you are severely capped. I mean, you could get 10 points on a great day, and that's all you have to show for it. Yeah, um, I mean, for his career, and he started playing football in 2018, he has 37 career receptions. Wow. And and probably, uh, what, 400 uh, uh, carries or something along those lines? or uh, uh, 614 rushes 600. for about 2,600 yards. I always like to look at the ratios of like number of rushing attempts to number of receptions to kind of yep. get a gauge of, is this person really someone you can trust in the passing game? And when they're doing about, you know, 5% of their touches or our receptions, that's, uh, that's a bad sign on that. It's front. about 12 to 1 in rushes to opportunities and targets. I didn't know there would be math in this podcast, Tommy. Yeah, um, you guys turned it this way. 
Uh, Jaguars, James Robinson. Is he the only Jaguar cats who people should be starting in fantasy in 10 words or less? Well, he's not actually. I, I think that we can potentially start James O'Shaughnessy. He returned from IR last week. Five targets, three for 29, two-point conversion. 81% snap share with Dan Arnold injured. He's in every down tight end. He had an eight-target game back in week one. I mean, we talked wow. about how bad the tight end position is. This wow. that's not nothing. He, he's he's a high end tight end too, and he, he's. I mean, if you if you're struggling at tight end, you, you need someone to replace Darren Waller. You didn't get Foster Moreau. Uh, you can take a shot on O'Shaughnessy. The fact um, we're talking about James O'Shaughnessy as an option when there's two yeah. weeks left in the fantasy regular season just tells you how messed up 2021 has been. <laughs> like, why do we even bother sometimes when this is what we're dealing with? I don't get it. Like, I really, it really is why ridiculous. I go to the liquor store so often. Honestly, I I love the surprise. I love hearing a new name. Uh, I feel like sometimes we talk about too many of the same names, and and maybe I'm editorializing here for all of you listening. But admit it, when you heard Cat say James O'Shaughnessy, there was there was some excitement, there was some leaning in. Like what, I wouldn't go that far. There's excitement, but there's also <laughs> trepidation because you always run the risk of feel like I'm chasing points. And especially yeah. on an offense like this, where we talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, like they're not a good offense. We talk about the tight end position where you need touchdown upside. Does James O'Shaughnessy fit the fit that criteria of bringing touchdown upside? Granted, yeah, he might get the targets, but we look at last week. The only tight end inside the top seventeen who didn't have a touchdown was Cole Komet, and it took eleven targets for him to breach that breach that threshold. Yeah, good call. All right, we got six players left, folks. Six players left in the podcast. Uh, Steelers, Ravens. Uh, cats can Ben Roethlisberger bounce back and get I'm, I'm putting it at 225 yards and a couple scores that's going to make him a high-end QB2 maybe in a week like this uh, are, are you are you pretty comfortable with that against the Ravens who are better against the run than the pass or is that even too ambitious for someone like Big Ben no I actually think he can I, I feel like the Steelers are going to get up big time for this game against their division rival Ben has actually thrown a touchdown in every game this season although he's thrown more than one just three times the Ravens do allow the 12th most fantasy points to quarterbacks, and they are banged up defensively. I got, I got Marlon Humphrey. He may not play. Jimmy Smith is banged up. Uh, they may have to call up multiple corners from the practice squad. Uh, I just don't know how they're going to stop both Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. And I think that one of them can get open deep once. The, the Ravens are really, really struggling against uh, the deep ball. Uh, so if, if that happens, then Ben could throw for 250 and two. Yeah, I think this is a statement game for Pittsburgh. I think this is really a, 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 a if you're doing DFS, I'm torn between whether to start uh, Russ Wilson or Ben Roethlisberger as a cheap quarterback, and I'm uh, I'm open to suggestions, but not now. We got to keep moving. Ravens, uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, basically, this team has not exceeded 16 points in any of their last three games. So, what do we make of Lamar Jackson? Is he an automatic start? No questions asked. I think he probably ends up the QB one this week. Like I don't, I don't see the upside in the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Like this is not the same team we used to look at and think, okay, this is the team that I need to fade a player against. Lamar Jackson is as talented as it gets on the ground. Like you talk about it, cats. Like the Steelers should get up for this game. Do they have the personnel to pull that off? And that's what I'm concerned about. Like the Steelers, like we talk about them, they are a rushing. They stop the run. You can't run the ball against them. They're number one. They're dead last in the NFL in yards per attempt at four point eight. Lamar Jackson is likely going to run all over the Pittsburgh Steelers. We just saw what Taysom Hill did. Like, granted, he threw like five interceptions, but the rushing upside salvaged his floor. Even if Lamar Jackson only throws, you know, one or two touchdowns, 
the rushing upside alone in this game is what probably makes me feel like he's still going to be a safe, reliable option against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers right now are facing like their first losing scene in like 20 years. The Baltimore Ravens can pretty much put the nail in that coffin. And so as much as I think the Steelers should get up for this game, the Ravens are going to be up just as much because they have everything to play for still with this game and then the season finale against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They can be the team that literally ends Ben Roethlisberger's career, and Lamar Jackson can be the head of that team pulling this off. And I know they're coming off two straight wins, but I really feel like the Ravens are kind of due because those last two games, the offense, 16 points only, they really haven't gotten going in a while. So they really could could just break out and just explode this week. So I'm with you on that. How about the Seahawks, Tommy? Uh, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, do you start them both if they're on your team, uh, all things being equal? Or are you in any way, uh, I'll use the word trepidatious to start them? Um, I think DK Metcalf, I can start. Um, but I've dropped him down. Like he is a mid to kind of right around like the wide receiver 20 for me in rankings this week, outside of being a, you know, someone you think is a tight, a, a wide receiver one, this offense right now is just in shambles. And that's because right out of the play of Russell Wilson, like I've got Russell Wilson outside of QB one consideration. Like he's outside of my top 12. Um, if you could start someone else, like I can absolutely make a case for it, whether it's the finger, whether just the way this offense is going, do you think this would have been better when they bring in a new OC who, Clearly, it seemed like they were doing this for Russell Wilson to get this offense right. But as of right now, like I don't see a lot of upside in the Seattle offense. I'm staying away from the running backs, like kind of like you mentioned. Um, but in terms of like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, like they both have chances to shine, but then they also can simply fade away just as quickly. Um, so I think if you're doing them as a wide receiver too, I can make I can make I can make a case for wide receiver two status for these guys. But outside of that, I'm kind of wanting to stay away from this offense, which is a very weird thing given the talent that's on this team. It is weird. Uh, 49ers, Cats, uh, no Debo Samuel expected, and so we might see a little bit of Juwan Jennings. Is he this week's Kendrick Bourne? Uh, is he someone who could come out there and get you know, 50 yards and a touchdown? Or is this uh, uh, basically chasing points? All season, this offense hasn't provided much fantasy value beyond Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel uh, when, when George Kittle was injured. Now, obviously, Kittle is included in that group. Last week, Juwan Jennings split snaps with Trent Sherfield. I would expect both of their snap shares to increase, but neither is going to be an every-down player. I, I don't think that we're going to see one of them really elevate over the other. If I had to take a shot on one, it would be Jennings. But if you're needing to start Juwan Jennings this week, then things have gone horribly awry. All right, fantastic. Way to uh, name it. Uh, the Chiefs. Uh, let's jump to the Chiefs. Uh, uh, we'll go Tommy and then Katz to close things out. Tommy, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. Are you starting him with confidence? Is Darrell Williams out of the picture now? Or are you at all worried about Edwards Hilaire? It's hard to do anything right now with the Chiefs backfield with confidence. Um, we feel good about, you know, Tyreek Hill. We feel good about Travis Kelsey. That's kind of where things end for me. I mean, and quite frankly, like, even calls him Patrick Mahomes. Like, we haven't seen Patrick Mahomes play like Patrick Mahomes from the majority of this season. Um, granted, look, Clyde Woodsler came back and looked good last week, had 12 rushes, 73 uh, for 63 yards, also had a touchdown, also caught a couple pair of passes for 13 yards, played on 47% of the snaps, which was actually less than Darrell Williams, even though he ended up seeing fewer touches. Um, so I think Clyde Woodsler is still going to be that RB1 for this team. Um, but look, there's any chance we could see him get pulled off. Darrell Williams comes in, vultures that touchdown, and you watch Twitter explode. Uh, when someone they weren't starting steals away an opportunity. Uh, I think you still can play Clyro Zolaire as they, you know, back in RB2. Um, I think he still has that upside, but in terms of confidence, 
it's hard to have confidence in this backfield with the way things have been throughout this whole season. Very good. And Cats, Broncos, favorite receiver this week, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton. Definitely not Cortland Sutton. In, in week six, Cortland Sutton saw 14 targets. In his five games since then, he's seen 17 targets. Since week seven, Sutton is averaging 6.1 PPR points per game. So it's Jerry Judy, right? Well, not really. He hasn't been much better since returning, just 9.1 points per game. Tim Patrick? Nah, 8.1 points per game. The matchup against the Chiefs should force the Broncos to actually call pass plays. Uh, one of these three will likely have a usable fantasy day. Uh, which one? Your guess is as good as mine. I'm avoiding all three of them. I think you probably set them in the order, though. Jerry, Judy, Tim yeah. Patrick, Cortland Sutton. I think that's the way I would rank them. Yeah, I agree. I, um, although Actually, one of the these days, Sutton is going to Sutton is going to earn his payday at some point. We just don't know when it's going to be. I mean, Sutton's really of, good at football. He's just not yeah. getting targeted. That's my thing. It's like, I actually talked about him earlier this week in one of my articles. Like, I hate sitting objectively good players. Right. Cortland Sutton is an objectively good player. We've seen him shine in this offense. We saw him break out. Then all of a sudden he deals with the ACL. So like, we are expecting him to come back. But right now, like until you show me something, I can't start him. Again, a big thank you to Tommy Garrett, uh, our great fantasy analyst uh, with Pro Football Network, and Katz, also our great fantasy analyst with Pro Football Network. I'm again, BJ Rudell. It's been a pleasure being with you today. Good luck this weekend. Join us at profootballnetwork.com on the website. Check out all of our content. Sign up for the newsletter. Go to Twitter Spaces through our Twitter account. You can hear uh, John Helmkamp and Tommy Garrett talk on Sunday mornings and other times during the week. We are always around doing research, making predictions, and trying to give value add for your teams. We will see you next time.